Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the lessons from the seven churches. But we're going to start here at 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The scripture is real clear that whoever is born of God overcomes the world. That when we have been born again, we have been made in the image of God as a world-class overcomer. This is how God sees us, not as losers, not as defeated people, but as people who rise to the challenge and who overcome. And it says here, how do we do this? By our faith. It's through faith that we overcome the world and every challenge that faces us. The word overcome means to conquer. It means to prevail, and it means to get the victory. I believe that Christians should be victorious. They should not be beat down and beat up. They should not be, you know, kicked to the curb and crying in their beer or whatever. They should be victorious, you know. They should be rising up and be strong and victorious. But you know what? Every now and then we go through some challenges of life and it makes it, you know, a little more of a challenge. And sometimes we forget that we've been created to be more than conquerors, the Bible says, that we have been given the ability on the inside to overcome every challenge of life, every one. And so now I want us to go over to the book of Revelation. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in Revelation. We're going to start with chapter 2, just a few pages over. Who is the one that overcomes but the one that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Believers are intended to be overcomers. If everybody else around you is falling apart, you and I are intended to stand and to prevail and to get the victory. We want to look at the message to the seven churches here in Revelation 2. You know, this is from the revelation that John had, the vision of Jesus Christ, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ is a proper name of the book, actually. And as he had this encounter with the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him and gave him messages to pass on to the seven churches. And he said, to the church at Ephesus, write. To the church at Sardis, write. He had a specific message that was tailored to each individual church. You know, I believe that when we have traveling people, traveling ministers come in to minister, they need to have a tailor-made message for the people who are there, right? And Jesus did not preach the same message to each one of the seven churches. Each one of them was in a unique situation. You know, it's like every one of us right now are facing some unique situations. But as a church, there will be things that all of us are encountering at the same time. As a people in a city, for example, we'll all be dealing with some of the same issues at the same time. So I want us to look at what did Jesus say to these churches and what lessons can we learn from this? In Revelation 2, starting with verse 2, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not, but you found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. That's a lot of good things, right? That's a lot of good things they've been done. This church has been working hard. They have been very strong in knowing who was sent from God and who was not. They were being very diligent, very aggressive. But he says, verse 4, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. How many of you know that we can all get so busy in doing good works, we can get busy in serving, in, in ministry, things like that, to where we forget the Lord that we're ministering to. You know, this is a very common trap that people fall into. It's where we're all busy about the ministry, but no time for the Lord of the ministry. All busy with our responsibilities, but our devotional life is shot. 
You know, when it comes down to it, you know, we've got to put first things first. And Jesus commended for all the things that they had done. He says, but I've got one problem with you. You've left your first love. When we were first born again, when we first came into the Christian life, we had an encounter. We wanted to live for God. I mean, tonight we sang that. I will live for you. I will live for you. Well, guess what? Life happens and people get busy. And other things start crowding in. And many times we wind up moving away from our first love. On the surface, it looks really good because, man, we're busy. On the surface, we got it together. But in the quiet places of our lives, that's where the breakdown can come. And so Jesus, you know, it's interesting to me that Jesus, he tells them the truth about their situation. How do you think we'd all benefit if we hear a lot more truth about what's going on? Do you know that you and I need to tell ourselves the truth? That oftentimes we have believed things that we have been deceiving our own selves. We've not told ourselves the truth. And so Jesus telling the church, he says, okay, you've got this good thing going for you, that good thing going for you, but there's this one thing that he's putting his finger on that's got to be changed. Look what he says there in verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes... I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The Ephesus church needed to overcome workaholism. They needed to overcome legalism and cooled love. They're working so hard. They're being so strict and so tight about the, to make sure we've got the right doctrine and we've got the right apostles and we don't tolerate false apostles and we persevere and we persevere and we don't quit and we don't quit. But they forgot their first love. You know what Jesus said to them? He said, to him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. So what are they having to overcome? The lack of, the lack of love. You know, the challenge wasn't in the perseverance. They had overcome that challenge. The challenge wasn't the false apostles. They had overcome that challenge. But the place that they were falling down was in the leaving the first love. But Jesus promised, if you can overcome it, I'll grant you to eat of the tree that is in the paradise of God. That's a, good, that's a good thing, you know. It's when Jesus brings us the truth, he's not just rebuking us so we feel bad. He's telling us something and then encouraging us, overcome it. This is your problem. Deal with it and overcome it. Okay, let's look at the church of Smyrna in verse 9. Revelation 2, 9. To the church of Smyrna, he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. You don't hear many prophecies like that these days, do you? Somebody tell you, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're in for a rough stretch of road. You're in for some rough times. All we like to hear is, you know, things are going to be wonderful, no challenges, no problems. It's all going to be just hunky-dory. But Jesus tells his church, you guys are about to have some rough times in front of you to the point to where some of you are going to be thrown into prison. He says, and not only did they have the trouble of opposition and hard times, but they had poverty too. You know, you add it on, it's not enough that, that you've got trouble from other people and going to prison, but now having trouble getting your bills made. You know what, and what does Jesus, what does he say? He says, be faithful unto death. Even if this thing kills you, decide you're going to be faithful anyway. Folks, that's an attitude of perseverance that we've got to have. That if this thing kills us, we're not bailing when it gets hard. We're not bailing when we go through some tough times. The church here at Smyrna had to be encouraged. Jesus is completely aware of every challenge that the church at Smyrna was facing. He says, I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. I know how hard it is, and it's going to get worse. But your challenge is to be faithful. They needed to overcome. What does it say in verse 11? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Even if these people were to lose their natural life, being faithful, he says, then you won't lose in the second death. You won't lose your eternal life. The church at Smyrna, he's told them, you guys overcome. 
Folks, sometimes overcoming doesn't mean that the persecution stops. Some of these people overcame and died. You know, sometimes we don't understand overcoming is an attitude of heart. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything in your, your life circumstances has turned around and worked out great for you. But you can go through it, you can face it, you can face hard times and opposition, and you can do it whining and complaining, or you can decide to be faithful unto Christ and just hang in there. And that's the challenge. And what did Jesus said? He said, if you will overcome. So what are they having to overcome? Hard times and poverty. Opposition. Hard times. How many times have we seen Christians who claim to love God as long as everything's going great in their lives, but once hard times come, troubles come, then all of a sudden they're mad at God, God can't be trusted, I'm out of here. Unfortunately, that's going to happen more and more. Jesus said in the last, last days the love of many would grow cold. And you know what? Why does people's love grow cold? Because they had expectations. They thought that something, God was going to do something for them, and it didn't happen. And he has told these people right here for a fact, you guys are about to suffer, but don't be afraid. I expect you to overcome. Yes, this is, the, this is your lot. This is your destiny that you're going to suffer. But rise up, be a man, be a woman, and overcome. Amen. I tell you, I think we need to hear messages like this sometimes because I think that a lot of times we all get this idea if it's not all just easy and whatever, then something's wrong. But there are some things, folks, there are some enemies you just have to endure. There are some things you just have to overcome. And how do we overcome? By faith. By faith. All right. Let's look at the church at Pergamon in verse 13. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, Boy, that doesn't sound like fun, does it? And you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. So you also have some who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent, or else I'm coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. That's a strong work of, work of rebuke, right? Now you'd think, in the natural, you'd think, this poor church, they are located where Satan's throne is. That means it is a heyday of evil to the point to where even one of their church leaders has been killed by Satan. So you've got a very difficult, oppositional, challenging situation that they're in, right? And instead of saying, you poor babies, I'm so sorry that you're having to deal with all that sin and evil, he says, I got some problems with your doctrine. There are some things that you guys are tolerating in your churches that should not be tolerated. He says things like the teaching of Balaam who was teaching Balaam to put a stumbling block before people and to teach people to, that immorality was okay, to eat things sacrificed to idols, to compromise. He said, you've got people in the church that are teaching compromise. The world system, you know, it's so evil out there where Satan's throne is. It was so evil. Some of that stuff was infiltrating the church. Some of that teaching was getting in there. Do you know the same spirit of the world tries to get into the church today? There are, you think about it, I mean, there are Christian mothers that take daughters for abortions. How does that happen? Because the idea of the world's teaching has infiltrated into the church, you know? Jesus says, I've got something against people that allow that kind of infiltration in. And then he says, also you've got those who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans were a sect of people who taught a false leadership, a false submission to authority, very heavy-handed and very controlling of the people. And so God says, I hate that. I hate watching people under religious control and religious domination. So let's look down at verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, 
To him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. The challenge, Jesus says again, is to overcome. So what do they have to overcome? They've got to overcome unholy teaching invading the church. Unholy methods of government, unholy methods of morality, these things are infiltrating the church, and they've got to overcome them. You know what's the truth is? When you start standing up and you go against what the world is saying is okay, you know, it draws fire. It draws fire. People don't want to hear that. You know, couple, you know, last week I preached some things that were hard to hear. Some of this is hard to hear, but we need to have hearts that love the truth that we're not just going to embrace the fun parts and the, the yay, let's get excited parts, but we're going to embrace everything. The Bible says to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. You know, I told you it was um, last week or so about how I dealt with some fear that I had. I dealt with, um, I repented and dealt with some fear of regarding with what people thought. And so guess what? I repented to my leadership and I'm repenting to you. And guess what? I'm not operating by that anymore. I'm not operating afraid about what you're going to think. So I'm going to just tell you the truth. All right? Because I love you and I want you to be free. Right? And I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm not here to make anybody feel bad unless it brings you to repentance. Paul said the same thing. He said, I'm sorry that I grieved you, but I'm glad it made you repent. You know? So that's okay. Because you know what? Sometimes we just need somebody to love us enough to tell us the truth of what's going on because we don't like to always see the truth about ourselves okay and sometimes the truth is being exposed just in a time like this it's a group setting and the words being preached and you know it's zeroing in right where you're at sometimes it's in a one-on-one conversation or email or whatever okay I want to be free and I want you free hallelujah so we're going to overcome you know we're going to deal with we're going to deal with things that that just like Jesus said with these churches, you know, if we need to overcome some unholy teaching, if we need to stand up and say, look, you know, I know that they're saying in such and such, you know, area, they're saying this is okay in the church and that's okay. And we stand up and say, no, it's not. You know, abortion's still wrong. I don't care why. You, they can make all the excuses in the world they want to make. It's still wrong. End of story. There's not any room for discussion about that. I feel very strongly about that. There are other things. I just feel very strongly we need to hold up a standard of this is right and this is wrong. You know, because I don't want the Lord to give us a word like he gave this church. I don't want to hear a message from the Lord saying, okay, you guys are in big trouble now. Right? Y'all understand this is New Testament, right? Did Jesus speak some strong words to New Testament churches? Did he tell the church of Smyrna um, that they're going to suffer? Did he tell, you know, the church of Pergamon that if you guys don't repent, I'm going to make war with you? That's pretty strong, isn't it? You know, I want us to be in a place to where he doesn't have those things to say to us. That we are examining our hearts, we're listening to instruction, and we're making the adjustments along the way. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, let's look at the church at Thyatira. Verse 20. He says, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. You can have a lot right going on, but he says you've got somebody who is Jezebel. Naturally, it's not Queen Jezebel, right? It's someone with a Jezebel type of manipulation and control. You've got somebody who is manipulated and controlling, calling herself a prophetess, saying the prophecies she gives are from God, and she is manipulating and controlling other people, and she's leading people to accept that immorality is okay. You know what? This is an occultic, an occultic type spirit in operation in the church. You know, spirits of witchcraft like to get in churches. They like to get in there and try to manipulate and to control and say, thus saith the Lord. In Revelation 2.26, Jesus says, He who overcomes and who keeps my deeds until the end, to him will I give authority over the nations. So what does Jesus tell the church at Thyatira? You guys have to overcome. Even though every church has had different circumstances and he's got different things to say, the end message to every church is, no matter what you're in right now, the exhortation from the Lord is to overcome. 
Not let this thing keep you down. Not let this thing win over you. But the word from the Lord is to overcome. And so what does the church at Thyatira have to overcome? They have to overcome occultism and immorality. Occultism and immorality. You know, that's going to be painful. I've told you before, people don't like it when they say, Thus saith the Lord, and you go, No, it's not God. They get upset over things like that. People get upset when you tell them it's not okay to live together with your boyfriend before you get married. They get upset over things like that. But you know what? We've got to stand up and say, This is what is right. Okay? Hallelujah. Let's look at the church of Sardis. Revelation 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which are about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. What's wrong with the church at Sardis? They're doing all the religious things, but it's dead. There's no movement of the Spirit of God. There's no life. There's no revelation. He says, oh, yeah, you guys look fine on the surface, but you are dead. Now, we don't like dead churches. We don't want to be a part of a dead church. You know what? Jesus doesn't like them either. They either need to resurrect, get revived, or they need to go away. And what does he tell in verse 2? You need to wake up. He says, you just need to wake up. You know what, people who are in a dead church who are caught in that, they think they're doing the religious thing. They think things are fine because, you know, it's the same old predictable, you know, whatever. And Jesus says it's dead and you've got to wake up. Look at it, he says in verse 5, He who overcomes will be thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. The challenge to the church of Sardis is you guys got to wake up and repent and overcome. What do they have to overcome? The church at Sardis has to overcome apathy and negligence. Folks, it is apathy. You can be in a live church and you can be dead. If you've got an apathetic attitude, negligent towards the things of God. You know what, we don't want to have the, the name of being alive as Christian, being little anointed one, and actually our life not produce any kind of life at all. Let it just kind of be dead works there. Amen? So the church at Sardis, they've got to overcome being dead. They've got to overcome apathy and negligence. Philadelphia, look at verse 8. The church at Philadelphia, he says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. In verse 11, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. Okay, what's going on with the church at Philadelphia? The church at Philadelphia has got a little power. They are barely squeaking by. This is not your big, powerful, mega, shake-the-world-up church. This is a church that is giving it their best effort, but they are barely getting there. You know what? When you have a little power, how do you feel? You feel weak. You feel inadequate. And what does Jesus exhort this church with little power? Hang on to what you got. Hang on to what you've got. You've got a little bit of something good going on. Hang on to what you've got. Folks, you might feel inadequate and weak. You might feel like, I don't have a whole lot of strength, a whole lot of understanding. I don't have a whole lot of passion. I don't have a whole lot of anything. But Jesus says to you, hold on to what you got, though. Don't let go of what you've got. And then he says in verse 12, He who overcomes... I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. The church at Philadelphia needed to overcome weakness and inadequacies, and they needed to not lose the ground that they had gained. Sometimes people get discouraged when they've been serving the Lord and they feel like, you know, I've only made so much progress. I still get hung up. I still have problems. I still, you know, I'm not seeing the victory that I expected to see in my life at this time. And sometimes you can feel like, you know, I'm just not very good at this. I'm just not a very good spiritual person. This is just really not my thing. And Jesus says, overcome. His word to you is also overcome. 
Hold on to what you've got and win. Now let's look at Laodicea, verse 15. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Lukewarm. You know, I, I like hot tea and I like iced tea. Lukewarm tea leaves something to be desired, doesn't it? Right? <laughs> Maybe you like hot chocolate milk, cold chocolate milk. Lukewarm, not so much, right? How is it that what happens to your glass of iced tea if you just leave it sit out on the counter for a long time? What's going to happen to it? The, the temperature is going to change, isn't it? The ice is going to start to melt, and after a while, it will become room temperature. The same thing happens if you have your cup of hot tea. If you remove it from the heating element and have it just sit there with no continued effort to keep it hot, it will eventually cool off to room temperature. Jesus is saying, if you and I do not maintain an effort to keep hot or to keep cold, if we don't give some effort, we'll wind up compromising with the world around us and we'll be lukewarm. And our fire, our passion will be gone, our perseverance will be gone, we'll just kind of be just there. And Jesus says, it makes me want to puke. Isn't that the modern version of what that says? You know what, folks? Jesus wants us hot or cold. That means he wants us to, do, to maintain our passion for the things of God, to stir ourselves up to do what we know is right, whether we feel like it or not, to give attention to our spiritual life so that we don't allow things to just become compromised and room temperature. Look what he says in verse 21. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. I'm here to tell you, I don't care what you're facing. Jesus said, I tell you, you need to overcome and understand I did it too. When I read this the other day, he says, as I also overcame. I thought he's the first one. He overcame much greater offenses, much greater challenges, much greater problems than you and I face. I mean, you might feel like half of hell is against you, but he had all the hell against him, right? He's, he had so much opposition against him more than any other person ever lived. And he says, you know what? I have also overcome. And he has challenged every last one of us that we need to make sure that we overcome as well. <coughs> Hallelujah. We're going to overcome. And the promise is to the one who does overcome, what do you get? You get to sit with him on his throne. Look at the promises. If we zip back through, and for every one of these churches, that the promise was, if you overcome, Ephesus gets told you're going to eat the tree of life. Smyrna gets told the second death won't hurt you. Pergamon gets told, I will give you hidden manna. I'll feed you secretly. I'll give you the white stone with your name on it. That means I will, I will, I will put my favor and my acceptance upon you. The church at Thyatira, he says, to the ones that overcome there, I give you authority over the nations. To Sardis, he says, if you overcome, I'll clothe you in white garments. I won't erase your name from the book of life, and you can be right there in the presence of Father and his angels. To Philadelphia, he says, if you, don't, if you will overcome, he says, I'll make you a pillar in the house of God. I'll make you a strong, sturdy place in the house of God, and I'll write my name on you. I'll call you mine. And the church of Laodicea, I'll give you the power to sit with me on my throne and overcome. That's some pretty powerful promises for overcoming. And see, and Jesus is showing us the truth about what's going on and exhorting every last one of us to overcome your circumstances, no matter what it is that you're facing, whether you're facing hard times or whether you're facing apathy. It doesn't make any difference. He says, this is the challenge before you is to win, as he also overcame. Why would he tell us to do something we couldn't do? Right? 
He does not tell us to do something we can't. You may feel at times, I can't lick this. I can't beat this. This is too much for me. But I'm telling you, Jesus says overcome. And he says so because it's possible. Because he intends for us to overcome. And the promises are there. But the thing is that each one of us is going to have to rise up and decide to overcome. If you can't be passive. That's getting into that lukewarm place. It's not, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes. That's passivity. And that is not an overcoming spirit. To overcome, remember, it means to prevail. That means that you've got to take down that opposing force, that challenge, that thing that's staring you in the eye. You're going to have to wrestle it to the ground and declare, I'm going to beat this thing and going to do so with the grace that God provides. I'm going to beat this thing. I'm going to win because Jesus is waiting for me to overcome. You know, we overcome with the grace that he supplies. Remember 1 John, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Jesus expects for us to overcome with faith. This is how we do it. Amen. So what do you do with your faith? You're going to have to get strong in your faith. Get strong. Feed yourself the word of God. What words are coming out of your mouth? What's the attitude of your heart? Are you consistent? Let's press in with what God's word has promised for us. Amen. Amen. All seven of these churches, each one of these, when you read the whole couple of chapters there, he says, to the angel of the church at Ephesus, to the angel at the church at Sardis, to the angel at the church. When he says that, the word angel here is a word that means messenger. This word is interchangeable. It does not necessarily mean a supernatural being. It can also mean the pastor of the church, which makes perfect sense. Because the message is coming from Jesus for the church. So where is the message coming through? It's coming through God's leader for the church. So he says, I'm going to give a message to your leadership, whether the angel gives it directly to the man or whether he gets it straight from Jesus, whatever. It's got to come through the leadership, right? So he says, I'm going to give you a message for your local church. And so he did. So let me, let's look at it. Each one of these churches was confronted with the truth of their situation. You know, there's no arguing with Jesus here. When he says, okay, I see your perseverance, I see your tribulation, I see this, but you got this going on. You know, there's no making excuses when you stand before Lord Jesus because he sees completely, right? And he says, when he says you got this problem, you got this problem. So he tells each one of the churches, he says the good and the bad. He doesn't just ignore, right? He says the good and the bad. And each one of these churches was facing a distinct challenge. You know, the one church dealing with Jezebel is not the same thing as the other church dealing with apathy, right? Very different situations. But the command that every one of them was given was the same, and that is to overcome. So, the Lord has a message for the church at Virginia Beach, just as he has a message for every other church, right? What is the message that the Lord has for the church of Virginia Beach? Do you think that he might have some things to say to us that might be unique as compared to what he might say to somebody else? What kind of messages does he have? He's got some things to tell us the truth about ourselves, about where we're going. When, understand this, when God is speaking a message to the church, he is using Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And he will use them to speak to the community, to the nation, but also to speak to a local house. And so when God puts upon my heart that we need to look at this particular topic, it's because the people here at Destiny Spirit need to be told to overcome. That's what that means. That means that I know many of your lives, I know many of the situations you're facing, but I'm here to tell you the word of God for you today is to overcome. I don't care what you're dealing with. You want to get those rewards he's talking about. You want to get those things. And that means it's going to be have to stop feeling sorry for yourself and blaming everybody else in the world. Blaming God, blaming life, blaming circumstances. You have to quit blaming and start overcoming. You know what? Blaming doesn't get you anywhere. Blaming is not overcoming. It's whining. Isn't that true? Overcomers don't blame. What do overcomers do? They take responsibility for their current situation and they decide, okay, now I know what I'm up against, so now I'm going to overcome it, right? You think about that. If you get into, 
you know, you get into a sports, you know, we got the, the football team and, you know, here they come. They don't go out in the field and whine because those guys are so big, you know. Those guys hit so hard. <laughs> you know, if you've got a good coach, what do they do? They stir you up and say, come on, rise to the challenge, meet it, and overcome. Let's prevail. Let's not whine about how hard it is. Folks, did y'all know life was hard? Life is hard. Do you know what? But that's why Jesus says overcome. If life was easy, nobody would ever have to be told overcome. I'm just sorry to bust your bubbles. <laughs> I'm sorry. But you know what? We become stronger through the things that we overcome. We do. Have you heard that expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Well, some of us, how many of you almost felt like you just about died? I have been through some challenges, and they were tough. But you know what? God doesn't get any glory if I whine, complain, feel sorry for myself. There's no glory in that. Where does God get glory? When we endure even to death. We do the right thing whether it's comfortable or not. And we determine to walk in faith and not walk in fear. Hallelujah. The promises that the Lord Jesus made here to these churches are to the ones who face their challenges and overcome them. Do you know that there are some promises that you and I will never receive if we don't decide to overcome? Just think about it. You may have a health challenge, a relationship challenge, a financial challenge, whatever. You can feel sorry for yourself and you can whine and gripe all day long. You're not going to get better. It's not going to get better. When is it going to get better? Is when you and I believe what God's Word has said, rise up with the Word of God, with the weapons He's given us in faith, and decide it's going to be God's way or the highway and persevere and overcome. We are going to conquer so that we can get the rewards that Jesus has promised to us. You know, God's not a communist. Did you know that? Do you know that communism, you know how that works? Communism works like, or socialism, it works that everybody gets the same. It's perfectly fair. It doesn't matter. In a communist country, it doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a ditch digger. You get the same amount of pay. That's why in communist countries there is no incentive to do anything more because you get paid the same whether you work hard or whether you don't work hard. So communism does not work in society. I mean, those societies fall apart. God is not a communist. He rewards according to who is overcome. You know, the Bible teaches us that there is a time coming that we stand before the judgment of God and he's going to pass out rewards. What do you get rewards for? Overcoming. You get rewards for overcoming. Not because we sat there and whined about how hard it was, but because we rose up in faith, we believed that God's word was true, and we did what he said, and we got the results he promised. And even if we wound up dying in the middle of it, it's better to die in faith, as what Hebrews says, right? Not receiving the promises. It's better to die in faith than to die in fear or to die in whining and complaining, right? And if you are facing life and death situa situation right now, decide that if this thing kills me or not, I'm going through it in faith. I'm going to believe God with the last breath I've got. I'm going to trust God it's going to come through. And I will overcome. And if the Lord puts his finger upon things going wrong in your heart, things wrong in your doctrine, things, you know, he says, well, you need to deal with this, you need to deal with that, then our hearts are going to be pliant. We're going to be soft in the presence of the Lord and open to adjustment. You know what? When you're going through hard times, you can become very soft towards the Lord, or you can become very hard to the Lord. You know, the same hot water will turn a, will turn a carrot to mush and will hard boil an egg, right? The same sunshine. You can put a lump of clay out there and become really hot. You put an ice cube out there, it'll melt. Same sunshine. It depends upon how we're reacting to the forces that are going on around us. You know, I've watched some people, they've gone through such hard things. I'm amazing they can stand up and breathe and walk. I've known people gone through absolutely horrendous circumstances. You know, I'm, I remember some of them. Things, a woman I knew when she was a child hid from her father in a cornfield for three days because he was trying to kill her. Now, let me tell you what, that's a hard thing for anybody. Can you imagine? I've never lived through anything close to that. But you know what? That woman, she lived, she overcame, she serves God today. She refused to be defined by the past. I met a guy a few weeks ago, and he was, you know, young, healthy, you know, whatever-looking guy. 
and I had just met him and we were just striking up a conversation and someone he knows walked up to him and says, man, you had a really rough year last year with that brain cancer. He says, yeah, it was rough. He says, but I decided that I was not going to dwell upon it and I was going to go on and live my life. I looked at that guy. He refused to be identified or known as, well, you're the brain cancer victim. Instead, he wasn't carrying any of that around him. He didn't have this, don't you feel sorry for me? My life is so hard. He didn't have any of that. I mean, I thought the guy was just, you know, perfectly fine. I mean, he didn't look like somebody who'd been through that kind of a challenge. You know, I made up my mind right then, I'm not going to be known as that woman who was betrayed. I'm not going to be known as that woman who was this or that. I don't want my identity to be in that negative thing that I had to live through. You know, I want my identity, I want to be so clean of that to where when you see me, you think I've never been through anything because I don't wear it, you know. You think about the Israelite Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? We know the story. They made a stand for God. They got thrown into persecution, thrown into the fiery furnace. And the guys that threw them in got killed. I mean, it was a rough situation. The Bible says when they came out, their bonds were burned off of them, and they did not have the smell of smoke on their clothes. So many Christians I know, they are so stinky smoky. You know they've been through hell because you can smell it. You know they've been through hard times because they carried it. All, there's no joy. There's no smile. There's no faith. There's no enthusiasm for God. There's apathy. There's hardness. And there's poor me all over them. Folks, I'm not living like that. I am not living like that. I have decided I am not going to be known as that person. Then, and if you're in a fiery furnace right now of opposition and challenge, determine it's going to liberate you. Determine it's going to burn off whatever thing has been trying to restrain you and wound you. Decide it's going to liberate you and come out and give glory to God, and nobody will even know that you were in it. You know? I'm serious. Why do we have to, why do we have to carry that stuff around? Let's don't. Let's decide that we're going to be known for the, the goodness of God in our lives, not for all the hard things we've been through. You know, I hear people sometimes, well, he's had such a hard life. I was like, lots of people have had hard lives. Do you want to be known as that poor person with the hard life? You know what? That's a cry for self-pity, isn't it? How many of y'all starting to hate self-pity? I am. I'm starting to hate it. It doesn't help anybody. If I'm stepping on your toes, that's good. That means you need to change. Blaming God or blaming people or circumstances is not overcoming, it's whining. Most of our situations, most of the challenges that you and I face, most of our problems are the result of our own choices. Isn't that right? I mean, you married him, right? You said I do and you married him, right? Most of our, most of our problems come from the decisions that we have made. We're the one that took that job. We're the one that moved. We're the one that said, yes, I will. We're the one that signed our name on the bottom of that paper. We're the one. We're the one. So there's nobody else to blame, right? It was our free choice. Nobody held a gun to your head and made you do any of this stuff. Folks, let's take responsibility. Say, yes, I got myself in this situation. I'm not blaming any other person. I got myself here, and with God's help, I'm going to overcome. And next year, there'll be no smell of smoke anywhere close to me. You won't even know, right? This is going to be our testimony, the church without the smell of smoke on them. I think that's good. <laughs> All right. Most problems do come from ourselves, things that we have done. There's a, there's a handful of problems that sometimes it's really not our fault. There are sometimes, there are things, I mean, it's just not your fault. For one thing, maybe you were born into a situation. Maybe you inherited some stuff, you know. Or so you were, you know, the people that died and the Twin Towers on 9-11. I mean, and the things their families went through, that was not their fault. That was something else that happened to them outside. But, you know, even if your current problems are not your fault, you still don't get to whine about them. You still get to overcome them. You know, how are we going to do that? Is we're going to take responsibility. You know what? Those people, their family members died in 9-11. There was nothing they could do to change that. 
So all they could do was decide to move forward with life now. Sometimes, folks, the, the hand that life deals you and me is not fun and it's not fair. But you know what? Instead of sitting there whining about these lousy cards you've got, why don't we just play them to the best of our ability? How many of y'all done that? You played cards, you played Scrabble. We play Scrabble, and you draw the letters. And it's old McDonald's farm, E-I-E-I-O, right? <laughs> I've done that. And I go, these lousy letters. I'll never be able to win when I keep drawing letters like E-I-E-I-O, you know. But <laughs> it's the same thing. You're playing cards with your friends, and you've just got nothing. I mean, you've got nothing here. So what are you going to do? Well, we usually do whine about it. Oh, lousy letters, lousy cards. We do whine about it. But in life, come on, in life, sometimes you get dealt the bad hand. Sometimes it does, you don't get what you expect. Do you know, in the last few weeks, numerous people have said to me, my life did not turn out the way I expected. This is not how I thought my life was going to be. And there's bitterness that's coming up. Folks, there's a lot of things in my life are not the way I thought they were going to be either. But you know what? It doesn't matter. The thing is, you play the cards you're dealt, and you overcome them with the grace and with the faith that God provides for us. Amen? Because you know what? Even if you're not responsible for this situation, you are responsible to deal with it. Right? Even if you're not responsible. For example, if you were born with, you know, let's say you were born with some kind of a, a, a inherited family disease, some kind of condition. All right, it's not your fault you were born with it, but you have responsibility to take measures to deal with it, right? No matter what that means, you've got something that you've got to do about it. And folks, that's what we have to do, is to be responsible to face those things and overcome them. So let me ask you, what kinds of things do you need to overcome? Maybe what you need to overcome is fear or self-pity or selfishness or laziness or overwork or harassment, or depression. What do you need to overcome? <laughs> well, in Jesus' name, I believe you could do it. Because the word of the Lord to you is overcome. That's the word of the Lord. It's overcome, all right? Maybe that you struggle with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You know, from 1 John 2.16, what is the lust of the flesh? That sensual desire to struggle with. What about lust of the eyes? I want more. I want a better house. I need that new computer. I need that new car. You know, more, more, more. It's the lust of things or the pride of life. I need a title. I need an honor. I need to know the big shots at my company or the big shots in the church. There's that wanting to rub shoulders and a desire for prestige. That's the pride of life. So maybe that's something that you've got to struggle with. How we overcome. Let's look at Revelation 12. Verse 10, we know we overcome by faith, but whatever challenges that we're facing, since Jesus expects us to overcome, let's understand also he has made a way for us to do so. In Revelation 12, verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. How do we overcome? Number one, the blood of Jesus frees us from sin. We overcome, we get the victory over our own sin, our temptation to feel sorry for ourselves, our temptation to quit and to give up, our temptation to rail back, our temptation to just not do the right thing. The blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. And then the second how part of how we overcome, our words release faith. Your words are to be creating your future. And if you're facing disaster right now, you need to be sending your words in the next week, sending your words in the next month. And instead of saying it's going to be more of the same, we are to overcome with overcoming faith-filled words. You see, as long as you keep saying how bad it is now, that's what you're going to keep getting. 
As long as you say things like, well, every time I do this, this bad thing happens, or every time I try, this bad thing. Folks, you're projecting into your future. Let's change that and begin to speak words of faith. You know, Jesus requires you to speak words of faith when it looks like disaster. It doesn't, you know, lots of times words of faith is absolutely raw faith. The only reason you're saying it is because Jesus said. You don't have any evidence. Nobody supports you, and most of the time nobody believes you. So you just got to go out there yourself. I want to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. My testimony is that I'm an overcomer. My testimony is I'm not easily offended. My testimony is bitterness has no place in me. My testimony is I am not controlled by fear of what people think. You know, this is my testimony, and this is what's continually coming out of my mouth. And my testimony is that God is faithful to me, and he supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen? And my testimony is that I have divine favor with God. See, these are things, and, and with men. So these are words that are coming out of my mouth to release faith and bring a better future. Amen? And if I wind up dying before those things manifest, then they'll go to my children. I'll leave it here on the earth for those who follow me. I'll leave a legacy of words. Amen? So even if, I'm here to tell you, even if you can't win personally and you die, you still make sure you've created something for, your, for those who follow you. Amen? I mean, it's about generations anyway, right? Boy, this stuff stirs me up. Amen. What's the third part of overcoming? Refusing to compromise our position. That's not loving your life even when faced with death. That's refusing to compromise. Refusing to compromise. You know what? I love you no matter how rotten you act. You know, I'm not going to compromise. I love you. It's my decision, and you can't change it. Right. There's nothing you can do about it because I've made up my mind. You know, aren't you glad God feels that way about you? He's made up your mind to love you no matter. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're refusing to compromise. We're not going to compromise our position of faith, even if it gets uncomfortable, even if it gets tight. Even if everybody around you says, you're stupid, it's not working, we're not going to compromise. Even to the point of, why don't you just give up, like Job's wife told him. Life is so hard. Boy, you lost all the kids, you lost all the business, you, lo you got disease in your body, you lost all your friends. And what did his wife tell him? Why don't you just curse God and die? You know what? That temptation comes. When you feel like that you're losing on a massive scale, the temptation comes, why don't you just curse God and die? Folks, that's a lie of the enemy. That's not a plan for success. Refusing to compromise is refusing to curse God and die, which is what Job did. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He says, I'm not going to back off. Even if I don't have any evidence in my life right now, I'm not going to curse God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to come against his character. Because, see, there was something he knew there was something else going on that he didn't, beyond what he could physically see. He knew there had to be something more. He says, I know some things about God. You know, God is either a God of love or he's not. He's either totally righteous and just or he's not. And the thing is that the enemy comes in and tries to make us think that he's not just, that he's not love, that he's not right. And consequently, God gets blamed for a lot of junk that's not his fault. God gets blamed for stuff that's our own doing. Isn't that true? I mean, you know, you go out there and you spend all your money and the credit card bill comes in. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Well, who spent the money? Wasn't God? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Okay. I hope y'all are learning and this is helping you. I can be nice other weeks. But tonight, this is a grow you up message, okay? We're not going to compromise our position for personal comfort not going to curse God and die. We're going to believe God no matter. We're going to overcome because he told us to. Let's turn to 2 Peter 1, last scripture. 2 Peter 1. You get your spiritual vegetables tonight. Hope you like your spinach. It'll make you big and strong. Second Peter 1, verse 2. 
grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. In your moral excellence, knowledge. In your knowledge, self-control. In your self-control, perseverance. In your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. That is a powerful piece of scripture. Do you understand the word of our testimony, the blood of the Lamb, loving our lives unto death, and with the faith that God has given us to overcome, add to it some character, add to it the moral excellence the brotherly kindness, the diligence, the perseverance, all these things. Because as we add to it, he says, we're not going to stumble. We're not going to fail. Folks, you're going to win. You're going to overcome. You're going to overcome. As you take this scripture, I would encourage you to meditate upon it. Because it says here to be more certain, to be more diligent. Make these things certain. Make them your own. That you on purpose incorporate moral excellence. That you on purpose incorporate perseverance you are on purpose are adding these things to your life and you're going to overcome i want us to pray now father in jesus name first of all lord god i ask for forgiveness father i ask you to forgive us lord god for all the lack of faith for the whining for the complaining for the blaming ask you to forgive us, Lord God, for being so easily moved away from believing your promises and your word. ask you to forgive us, Lord God, in places where we've allowed ourselves to become apathetic and negligent. Lord, where we've let other things creep in and we've let our love grow cool and we're no longer hot or cold, but we're just kind of lukewarm. ask you, Lord God, that you would forgive us for not attending to the more important things of life. Father, I ask, Lord God, that you would, that, Lord God, that you would continue by your Holy Spirit to convict us where we need conviction, where we have given in and compromised. I ask you, Holy Spirit, we need you to show us the truth about ourselves. Because if you don't show us the truth about ourselves, we will continue to be blind and we have some things that we need to know so that we can properly deal with them. And Father, I also ask, Lord, that as you, your Spirit reveals the truth about ourselves to us, that, Lord God, that you'd also give us the grace and the humility to receive your instruction, receive your conviction, and to overcome. Because, Lord Jesus, you promised for everyone who overcomes, just as you overcame, You'll grant us the power to sit with you in your throne. Make us overcomers. Your word says you, you always cause us to triumph by Christ Jesus. You've made us more than conquerors through him who loved us. Father, and I call these people more than conquerors. I call these people overcomers. I say to you that you are an overcomer in Jesus' name. That there is no challenge that you face. There's no battle you're enduring. There's no difficulty right now that you may be facing or struggling with that you don't have the ability to overcome in a grand and glorious way. 
God has given you an overcoming spirit on the inside of you. He's given you promises that by them you may overcome. And it might be hard, it might be difficult, but you can do it. But you can win with the grace that he supplies. You refuse to allow the lies of the enemy to rule your life. Refuse to be run by fear. Refuse to be owned by bitterness. Refuse to be owned by compromise. Decide that you are going to win because God has called you to be an overcomer. I say you are the head only and not the tail. That you are above and not beneath. That you are strong. That you are powerful. The word of God is strong on the inside of you. That his spirit is strong on the inside of you. You are anointed. You have the wisdom of God. And he is going to put you over in Jesus' name. And you will win and you will give glory and honor to God. And the smell of smoke will not be on you because your focus is not going to be on you, but it's going to be upon his kingdom and his word and faith in him and what he's doing in your life. And you'll forgive yourself quickly for your mistakes. You'll forgive yourself. You'll be kind to yourself as far as admitting when you repent and admit you're wrong. You'll be kind to yourself and not beat yourself over all the mistakes. But understand this, repentance brings forth good fruit. So, Father God, right now, we repent for beating ourselves up. We repent, Lord God, for all that self-bitterness, that self-hatred, all those unloving spirits where we've been so critical of ourselves and judgmental of ourselves. God, right now, we repent for those things because those were not from you. Those were from the enemy. Holy Spirit, when you convict, you give us specifics to deal with. And Holy Spirit, we welcome your conviction. Make us whole. Make us healthy, Father. Free us, Lord God, from everything that binds us, that chains us. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise and thanks. Would you lift up your hands, church? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, do the adjustment within us. Holy Spirit, give us hearts, Lord, to where we receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. Holy Spirit, you're our comforter, you're our help, and we welcome you. You know the challenge each one of us faces. By your grace, we're overcoming. We're overcoming. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father God, we receive your forgiveness. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father God, we receive forgiveness right now in Jesus' name. And Father God, I also ask you to give us divine strategies. I ask you, Lord God, that you'd show us, that you give us the wisdom, the understanding, the know-how to overcome every situation we're facing. Lord, give us the information, the resources, the desire, the, the want to, the motivation. Lord, supply that grace to us so that we can overcome with your help. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Your word says if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And so, Lord God, we ask from you. You're not going to upbraid us. You're not going to chew us out. You're not going to rebuke us. You're going to give us the wisdom that we ask for. So we thank you, Lord God, for wisdom to solve every problem, to solve every problem, to overcome every fear, to overcome every attitude, to overcome every, every challenge, every problem. Lord, we receive from your hand. Thank you, Lord God. You know exactly where each one of us is at, and you know exactly how to speak to us, how to get through to us, and how to bring us to a point of even humility, be able to receive your truth. So we thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in our lives. Be it unto us according to your word, your will, and your way. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, I come against every spirit of accusation that's been whispering, that's been lying, that's been accusing you to yourself, that's been accusing other people to you, that's been accusing God to you in Jesus' name. I come against the spirit of accusation. I break your power. I command you to loose your hold upon this people. I command you to go from them quickly now in the name of Jesus. We resist, reject, and renounce the spirits of accusation. And I command you to go now in the name of Jesus Christ. Your assignment is broken. You've been found out, liar. Go from us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We take authority. We take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. 
we cast down and we no longer entertain those thoughts of accusation. We no longer choose to meditate and believe the lies of the devil. We no longer choose to meditate and believe on negative things, negative projected fears for the future, or negative thoughts about ourselves, or about God or other people. In Jesus' name, we reject all that because it's not God. It's not God, and we're not having anything to do with it. We reject it in the name of Jesus Christ. Father God, I ask you also that where we've, the spirit of accusation has been busy, has been, has been speaking, but Father God, I ask that by the Spirit of God that you would release your angels, Lord, to minister words of encouragement and life to us, to put us in remembrance of your word. And Lord, whether that's through supernatural beings or through human messengers, I ask you, Lord God, that you would replace all those thoughts of accusation that have come, that you replace those, Lord God, with thoughts of truth. In Jesus' name. We receive it. We receive it. And I decree in Jesus' name that we are overcomers. We overcome. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against us shall prosper in Jesus' name. Every tongue that rises against us in judgment, we condemn it and break its power in the name of Jesus Christ. It shall be unto us according as God Almighty has spoken. What he has declared shall happen. And he is faithful and he's not a man that he should lie. And the Spirit of God will lead us into all truth. Ordering our steps. And tell us the truth about ourselves. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. For you, Lord God, are with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www. DestinySpirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church P.O. Box 15252 Chesapeake, Virginia 23328 Thank you.